It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey LaBounty and Nick Wiggins. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you on this hump day Wednesday afternoon. Want to thank everyone for having us locked and loaded here on the final drive. And our guest today, Danny Cordy, the executive producer or executive director of the Alabama Sports Authority, joining us to kind of give a little recap on what went on with the Gulf Coast Challenge and what's going on with the Mobile Sports Authority and the big-time SWAT game that's coming to Mobile, Alabama in November. We also have George T., the Alabama Sports Hall of Famer, will be joining us, former national champion. We know we'll get his takes on how Alabama was able to go into Texas A&M and come away with a huge victory. But we'll also talk to him about the disappointment with the Dallas Cowboys and the dud that they laid on Sunday night football. We'll also talk to Craig Stevenson, AL.com. will keep us up to date with the South Alabama Jaguars as they are at the midpoint in their season. So he did a great article today on AL.com, and we'll break down South Alabama's football team moving forward if you haven't downloaded the free sound of mobile app make sure you do so to any android or apple device that you have so you can correspond with us in the app and nick wiggins man it is winding on down to where it's almost lullaby time for you my brother i know yeah a lot of people are fathers and mothers who listen to us here on the final drive and Look, if you guys have any fatherly advice for my partner, Nick Wiggins, please let me know. Let me know all about it, and we'll have you covered for sure in regards yep. to corresponding with you. Yeah, we've, uh, you know, we've ran through the playbook. We've, you know, gone through scrimmage, through practice. Now we're just ready for kickoff, and you never know, you know, the game is can be different than practice, so... I think we're about as prepared as we can be, so we'll see. Nothing wrong with having a healthy baby girl coming into this world, but if you have any advice for Nick Wiggins, I know you won't be taking advice from one Michael Brauner. Michael Brauner likes raw milk uh, in the morning time. Yeah, what is that about? I haven't I haven't been listening to the morning show. Is milk all milk not raw? So so what happens is his his roommate has brought some raw milk from i guess not pasteurized or uncultured oh, or untainted like straight not from the teat there you go I um see. and apparently it it had spoiled and gone bad so um there there it is don't take advice from michael Braun in you, regards to have you ever tried that powdered milk that you can get just in the aisle yeah yeah i mean no question about it i i have definitely Fed that to a baby or two. And that just stays good forever? It, 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 everything has an expiration date. Uh, now, whether you choose to adhere to that expiration date or not, yeah, that's totally up to you. And someone in the app says, best advice I give to you, just tell your wife 
to take care of everything and you'll have nothing oh to worry gosh, about. Because the woman yeah, is normally right. I'm sure that'll go over well. well hey, people <laughs> said just let you do everything. I'll be back here. That'll be fine. Hey, I'm hey, sure. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know about chilling out, but but uh, let her be the sayer for a while for sure. Oh, that's uh, right. I'll d- I'm definitely going to let her run lead. She'll be the head coach, the quarterback. There you go. There you I'll go. I'll do all the dirty work, though. You, you, I'll be the you, fullback. You, you can't go wrong with that analogy there with, with being a, a grown-up dad. But, no, it, it, you do have to have a situation here to where we are taking advice for Nick Wiggins on, on how to approach, uh, it, you know, daddy's daycare is what we'll call it and, and how to take care of his first sweet baby girl that's expected to be coming here soon. And I, I tell you that what was not so sweet, Nick, was – the comments that one Mark Stoops had to say about the Georgia Bulldogs and NIL, because you know that transfer portal and NIL have been talked about so much here lately, but when a coach comes out and calls out a specific team, that's where I think that, especially when you call out the number one team in the country that just finished giving you an old-fashioned Bulldog whooping, it it really makes a difference. Now, if Coach Stoops makes comments that we're about to hear and does not name a specific team or a coach, then I think it can work. But would love for you to go ahead and play Mark Stoops' audio on the NIL donations that he needs. For us, it's, it's, you know, we got to watch it. We got to see it. You got to own it. You know, you got to solve it, and then we got to go do it. You know, the other side of that, the, the you know, the, the other side, if you want to do that, it's blame, complain, deny, or make excuses. And we're not going to do that. You know, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, fans have that right. I, I give it to them. It, you know, I just encourage them to donate more because that's what those teams are doing. And, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I could promise you in Georgia, they, they bought some pretty good players. You're allowed to these days. And uh, we could use some help. That's what they look like, you know what I mean, when you have 85 of them. So, so uh, I encourage uh, anybody that's disgruntled to, to pony up some more. Pony up some more money. And I don't see any lies told by Mark Stoops, telling the truth there, saying, listen, in our collective, if you want us to get on the standard and be what Georgia looks like, it's not illegal to buy players because of NIL now. And you can flat out say it. You can flat out call the name. And Georgia is the standard. That's why they're the back-to-back national champion. I was just a little shocked that he didn't just flat out ask for donations and more from the collective. Now, I know there would have been even more money if they would have upset the Georgia Bulldogs instead of getting whooped the way that they did. So that makes a difference. But he says in order to get to that standard and to that level and for all 85 scholarship guys to look like what Georgia has and for them not to get their tail kicked the way that they did this past Saturday, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take ponying up of the money and will the collective – Will that work for him? Will that work against him? Sometimes when you call out the collective, it becomes a little bit harder to do for the collective, especially when you're not winning. But Kentucky's a team that is now 5-1. and one. They Their only loss is to the number one team in the country that played a complete game. But put that shoe on the other foot. Imagine Kirby Smart telling his collective, his folks, look, we need we need more money. We need to squeeze more out of you. We need we need to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. Nick Saban saying, hey, collective donors, 
he, he doesn't say it directly. He'll say it indirectly. He'll go behind the scenes and saying, look, this is what this school has. This is what we need in order to keep up with it. And it's not just a monetary standpoint for the players. It's with facilities because some of these schools, you look at Vanderbilt out of all schools, gutting their stadium during the football season, mm -hmm. during the season, not waiting until afterwards, but limiting the capacity at their stadium that's already the smallest in the SEC to try to keep up with it. But Mark Stoops coming out and saying, I need more money in order to be on the level of Georgia. Agree or disagree? Coming off kind of like a beggar, don't you think? Yeah, that's why I say when, when you do – you know, a closed mouth does not get fed, and that's obvious. That's but true. I think that there's a correct way that you can, and a so more strategic way. Let's say I'm a Kentucky fan. Yep. I say, Coach Stoops, I hear you. I'm going to answer the call. What do, like, what avenues does a person go through to donate the money to the uh, NIL collective and to make sure that it, you know, is given to players? Like, how does that work? It goes right through why they have departments now in every athletic program that deals with just NIL, like name, we, image, and likeness. Are we about to get to like where we're getting text messages from like the political campaigns where it's like, hey, you're an Alabama fan. Nick Saban needs your help. I, listen, like, is that what we're getting to? I, I think that it's not going to stop. If that's a collaborative way to do it, you you already receive paper mail. You already receive emails. Once you've donated, you, they'll continue to ask for life. But when you get beat 51 to 13 in what you see is Georgia's best game of the year, absolutely you're going to have your hand out. Absolutely you're going to be looking for that help. And, and I think it's not just Kentucky. It just so happened to come from one Mark Stoops, talking about his program and needing the NIL donations. And someone in the app says, can't nobody afford NIL in this economy? That's right. I Honestly. know they that, that people, Utah, they've got it in their collective when you go and you ask for car dealerships because there's not a recruit in this country that didn't hear about what Utah was able to do and the way that they were able to lease vehicles for all 85 scholarship athletes. There's th that just news is not going to go by unheard of by any recruit saying, all right, well, is a recruit, if you want to flat out, if you're a four or five star and you ask, well, look, will I be able to get a car when I come here? Back in the day, you see all the movies that were made, including the program, Blue Chips, some of the movies that you see to wear those $100 handshakes or you get in trouble for giving a, a, a player's mom a tractor or getting them a new car. That, yeah. and back in the day, was a no-no. Look, but user in the app, he says, maybe these coaches can fork up some of their millions and donate it into the NIL collective. And, and I guarantee a few of them probably already have. And look, maybe that's kind of a long game play. Like, hey, I'm making... $9 million, I'm going to donate $2 million of my yearly salary to get one of the best players in the country, therefore leading me to have more success and then leading me to get a bigger raise, right? Nick, it's like the you, stock market. you just hit on something that any college coach in America should go ahead and, and, and you tell me what media outlet wouldn't use that as clickbait. Oh, yeah. College coach donates $1 million to their own NIL to give to disperse the players. 
right. You, you, you tell me See, where. But then all of a sudden, I kn- it'll become fabricated because then organizations will start saying, you know what, we were going to pay this coach $10 million a year, but we're going to say we're giving you $12 million a year, but you actually need to donate $2 million of that to the NIL collective, and it'll just look good for everybody. I, I just think that that would be a great strategy, Nick, to, to have a college coach come out and say, I am going to, to put into our own school collective for our own team purposes. And then you let them divvy up the pot. If you have a college coach to say, look, I'm going to give this to the walk-ons that imagine if Utah's coach would have said, I know the, the, the walk-ons didn't get a truck, but I tell you what we'll do. We'll go ahead and that's a $61,000 truck. We'll go ahead and give our walk-ons 10 K a piece. That would have been a baller move. I, I, I mean, it, it's a way to, to entice and to get clicks and to, and to get attention for your program. And I know that you just – We're always talking about NIL, right? Yeah. Alabama, yeah. Auburn, you know, Quinn Ewers, Texas. You know, we have our own, you know, D1 football program here in Mobile. What what kind of NIL deals do we have going on over there? Do you know? That, that's a great question. And, and it's something that I know that Coach Womack – probably is aware of every single player and I know that's something I would ask Daniel McCarthy who is in the athletic or Dr. Erdman the athletic director can you disclose what deals are given to certain student athletes because some are visible some are not some go ahead on their social media page and push whatever project or product that they have and you do see that here locally but are there the, the the type of monies that are available for South Alabama to pull off what Utah did, unless okay. you have a very, very, very generous South Alabama donor who wants to do that and somebody who wants to fork over that type of money, at least eight, seven to $8 million to all the scholarship football athletes, it would be great for South Alabama athletics. But sure. when you are given that kind of money, you probably want a building to be built or facilities to be upgraded versus saying, I'm going to lease out a truck through a dealership for 12 months. You would much rather that be long term. And that's huge as well. Yeah, I agree. I'm just, you know, I don't know. Like, we only see the big numbers. Yep. You know, hey, yep. this is what Bo Nix is making. This yep. is what Shadur Sanders is making. I'm curious just, you know, what our own local guys are making potentially. Just, you know, out of curiosity, out of comparison, where are we in comparison to the rest of the Sun Belt? Where are we in comparison to the rest of college football? You know? You're exactly right in regards to you have to compare apples with apples and oranges with oranges because you're not on the same budget as an Alabama and Auburn, but I would love to see – UAB's collective versus South Alabama's collective versus Jacksonville State's collective versus Alabama State or Alabama A&M. Because I guess the smaller you get, even when you look at your FCS schools like North Alabama, you're not really worried about necessarily about NIL unless that individual can have it. Uh, Someone in the app says on three has that info per school, but I don't know per individual if that's known because some people just don't disclose, but they will have to disclose because at the end of the day, financial literacy goes through these NILs. The more money you make as a student athlete, the more you're going to have to pay Uncle Sam and, and file that 
tax return. And in those 1099, those being public documents, you would be able to to figure that out. Now, we know who has the most generous NIL, and that's available on on three. And we kind of talked about that in preseason prior to the season even starting. But it is something to keep an eye on. And when you do have an SEC caliber coach such as Mark Stoops specifically chiming in on how he feels about Georgia buying players, then you are looking at the response of Kirby Smart and what he had to say. And Kirby Smart said, listen, much to do about nothing. I'm quite sure he was just trying to stir up their own fan base to generate more funds for them. But guess what? We're doing the same exact thing. We're trying to generate as much or more than any other school in the country for our student athletes in order to make them wanting to come to Georgia more enticing, I, for I, sure. I just went to uh, on three and looked up. It, it's not looking like there's any number there. Uh, I did find a NIL page on South Alabama's athletic website. Um, welcome to U University of South Alabama Athletics. Name in image likeness information site. Um, you know, it talks about what they're doing. But there's really no information. It just kind of talks about this is a, a page where there will be information in the future. So it seems like maybe we are in the early stages uh, of NIL with South Alabama. Um, You're just a smaller program. And, again, the budget – as compared to Alabama or Auburn or any other SEC school, SEC school is not going to be there as of yet. But I do like the fact that you do sometimes have to stir up fan bases. And the way you ultimately do that at the end of the day, Nick, is to win. Because I guarantee right. that comment wouldn't have even had to have been made by Mark Stoops if Kentucky, A, is much more competitive against Georgia and doesn't get the doors blown off of them or B upsets them in a way that we're still talking about on a Wednesday for college football. The final drive, Corey LeBounty and Nick Wiggins joining you on a hump day Wednesday edition. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Coach Tommy Tuberville, and you're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive, and look, just got to give you guys a reminder that if you don't have any plans or places to watch the Alabama-Arkansas game, go ahead and come out to the Outsider. They got some great drink specials. They got the food court right next door. You can eat all type of different stuff. You can walk out of there with a WNSP t-shirt. They're going to be giving away an Alabama jersey courtesy of the vault. You can enter for a chance to win some Iron Bowl tickets. That's all at the Outsider downtown off Cedar Street this Saturday. And that's an early kickoff game. I think that's 11 a.m., right? It is 11 a.m. and definitely will be there for that. So looking forward to meeting and greeting everyone out there. It's a full day worth of football is coming up. Really looking forward to the games afterwards as well. Texas A&M and Tennessee. That's going to be a huge SEC. Not an interdivisional matchup, but it is East versus West. And you look at A&M trying to bounce back versus Tennessee and Tennessee getting ready to play the Crimson Tide. So all day long football will be on. And then 
6 o'clock, we'll be able to enjoy Auburn versus LSU. Right. So come on out to the outsider and hang out with us and get those free T-shirts and possibly walk away with that Bama jersey. Corey, I got a question for you. And a uh, user, why laughing the app has kind of sparked this in me. You know, he's saying that he might be done with college football the way that it's going. Me and some other users are like, well, what are you going to watch instead? Do you watch the NFL? He says, no, I don't watch the NFL either. I know a lot of people, especially I feel like when I was in high school, like friends, dads and stuff, you know, they say, oh, I only watch college football because they're not getting paid and they play harder and they, they want to get paid. So it's a more pure form of the game. Do, do you feel that way or are you just like, look, it's football. If you love the game, getting paid or not, you're going to play hard. You're going to play hard regardless. And you should play hard regardless because, again, NIL is something that's fairly brand new to being legally being able to endorse or to take revenue for your own name, image, and likeness. So do I love and have I loved the purity of high school athletics? Yep. College football is one where I do know that $100 handshakes have and did exist in the, the brown paper bag. Oh, you dropped that. You need to go ahead and, and pick that up off the floor there. I think that belongs to you. you. You saw all that, and then you saw those who cheated and didn't do it well and were able and got caught because of it. But it's the same thing that with college football, name, image, and likeness, I've always felt, once again, that if you see your own jersey in the stands – you yep. that's your jersey and somebody's able to put their last name on the back of it or your last name on the back of it to make it a replica why not get well, paid for that that's where nil started and i don't think too many people had an issue with that it's obviously become something else but i mean look the numbers college football viewership is up this year it's been up you know over the past five years it goes up every year so I mean, people are caring. And, you know, to the people that say, like, oh, you know, since they're getting paid, they don't, all they care about is the money. They don't care about the, you know, the, the love of the game. Well, I would say this. You and I, we get paid to do this show, right? Yep. I wouldn't necessarily say we're more lackadaisical about our passions and what we want to do because now there's a check involved. If anything, I think it makes you motivated more, more motivated Absolutely. because now you're like, this is my job. This is my well-being. This is how I'm going to create a life for myself and my family. I mean, that, that's at least how I view it. So I, I think when people make that comment, I think it's a little short-sighted personally. Well, and someone in the app says, all because of an NCAA football game. It is. That was one of the triggers Ed O'Bannon. Ed O'Bannon, the Ed O'Bannon case, he is that former UCLA national champion that wanted to get paid for the college basketball games. And he brought other athletes in from other sports, such as football, that shared his same viewpoint. Hey, look, if I'm going to play a video game as myself, I need to go ahead and get paid for That's it. That's facts. And understood that you do have players in the past that says man I, I to this day I can put in the 2003 or 2004 NCAA football and play as myself but not going to receive a dime for it now moving forward EA Sports is creating that way but you know it, it is all because 
that it did start with the Ed O'Bannon case to where he did sue and wanted name, image, and likeness for his own self in a video game that was a college basketball game to be paid for. And yep. I know the people in Madden, they're pros, they get paid. Right. NBA 2K, they get paid. They all partner with the you know NFL Players Association. We did learn that. that. The, the Players Association in the NFL and the NBA play a huge NHL, any paid sport, Major League Baseball, Players Association, all those organizations make sure that their athletes get paid in revenue for that. And you just don't see that. But do see some great feedback in the app. Most of the athletes are incentivized with a free education. That crap bank cheap. Um, I do understand the frustration, but college athletics is no longer pure. It, it's not going to be that way. And I kind of liked it better to see who could cheat the best, see whose handshake or brown paper bag was the biggest. Not that way any longer. Coming up next here on the final drive, Danny Cordy will be joining us, Executive Director of Mobile Sports Authority. This is Richie Riley, the head men's basketball coach of South Alabama. There's nothing better than listening to WNSP Sports Radio, 105.5 FM. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you on this hump day edition. And we would like to welcome in Danny Cordy, the executive director of the Mobile Sports Authority. And Danny, hope all is well with you, my friend. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Corey. Glad to be here. Well, Danny, I know you had a very busy weekend, as I did too, but when you look at these statistics for top five FCS attendance in week six of college football, Jackson State versus Alabama A&M on the neutral site here at Lad Peebles Stadium sits atop number one in the entire country for FCS attendance. Yeah, I saw that. I think you might have even texted me that, and I didn't realize that. But I mean, that's you got. We're really proud of 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 where we've come with the Gulf Coast Challenge, and and uh, about a nineteen thousand uh, number of fans in attendance. It 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 really ended up being a great week for us. Of course, the weather cooperated really nice for for all the concerts and all the outdoor activities, and of course on Saturday couldn't ask for a nicer day in October in Mobile for our, our parade and then the tailgating and the game itself. And we're uh, a lot of moving parts. Uh, I'm just one part of the team. We had, a, uh, of course, the Lab Stadium staff, the Mobile Parks and Recreation staff, the city county, of course, uh, Tim Hale, Kevin Ball, and their Gulf Coast Challenge staff. And we we just it, it was it was really a good weekend for Mobile. It really was a, a fabulous week of weather. When you look at how the weather is today, you you bring in a concert this time next week or at the same time last week, and it would have been a little bit frustrating because your numbers your of your free concert downtown would have been a little bit scattered. But I know that when you do look at the bodies that were put in the beds and the restaurants and the tourism and the ability to pack downtown Mobile 
Wednesday all the way through Saturday. Dolphin Street was jumping every single night. Just a lot of great business that was brought into this mobile economy. Well, you mentioned it. I mean, there was a lot of energy downtown, and it wasn't only at the game. We understand that. The, the cruise ship came back uh, for the first time last week, and just a, it, it was just a good feeling downtown, a very positive feeling that, that made you feel good about what was going on in town. And, of course, our, uh, our Gulf Coast Challenge was, was one part of it, but it, 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 it's, just, it's just been a, a fun event to watch grow over these last six years. And, of course, we had the fifth quarter classic the two years before that. So this was the eighth year straight year that we've had HBCU football back in Mobile. And, and, uh, it, 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 and with the Gulf Coast Challenge, it, 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 it really was satisfying to, to see this event grow over the years. And not necessarily growing that it's more and more attendance every year, just the quality of the event from from Wednesday to Saturday. And and, and that that's that's a very important part of it too. Well, we all know about the Dion effect, and we knew that there were going to be numbers and people coming to the Port City a year ago when Jackson State arrived because you look at the prime effect that he's having in Colorado, and he was undefeated at Jackson right. State when they took on these same Alabama A&M Bulldogs one year ago, and, and it is the prime effect. So from a numbers standpoint, Dion is going to draw, period. His name alone was going to draw, but still I thought that as a whole, Mobile did a wonderful job showing up and showing out for this wonderful game between Alabama A&M and Jackson State. And now when you when you do look at it, the thing that I was most impressed about, too, that I think that was overlooked by a lot of people is the fact that you did have two gold jackets that were right here in the port city, one representing Alabama A&M and Stallworth, the other representing Jackson State and Dr. Doom, Brazil. So that's something that you don't see every day, not only from a college football standpoint, but to represent each of these HBCUs that were present and to be able to honor them and both of them to be still living and talking about their experiences with both of these universities. That was tremendous for the port city. Well, you mentioned it, and, and I believe in the opening reception on Wednesday night down at Gulf Quest, I, I, and maybe I didn't realize it, but I looked around, and there's John Stallworth in his gold jacket. There's our very own Robert Brazil in his gold jacket, and maybe I just didn't put that together that they were going to be there together on that Wednesday night, but that that had to be, outside of Canton, Ohio, had to be the only place in the U.S. that had two living Hall of Famers in the same room at the same time and it that as a as a young as a football fan growing up watching Stallworth watching Dr. Doom uh, just just in the 70s it it was really a cool thing for a football fan to see that and 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 yeah you're right that 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 was that was a unique situation and Something that may never happen again. Who knows? But it was it was really cool to see that. It really was. And now moving forward and looking forward to November 4th to where we welcome 
Alabama State back to the Port City as the Hornets will be traveling down from Montgomery, taking on the Grambling Tigers, who will be making that trip over from Louisiana. So that's November the 4th here just in three weeks. More HBCU football and more excitement. And not only that, a lot of people know the legendary Hall of Famer in at the state of Alabama and in the city of Mobile, Ben Harris. But a lot of people don't forget that he is a Hall of Famer at Alabama State, too. And right. that he That's put, right. was a quarterback, and he will be the inaugural Grand Marshal for this Port City Classic. So Ben Harris having a chance to check out his alma mater in Alabama State, taking on Grambling on November the 4th. Uh, we are all remember Coach Harris and those fantastic teams, blunt teams he had what back in the 80s and 90s. And it, it, when he was at the top of his game, he might have been the best, if not one of the best high school head coaches in the state and even in the southeast. So I, I did get a chance, I think, uh, well, I did see Coach Harris a little bit last week. And looking forward to seeing him in in three and a half weeks. As as we're 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 trying a second HBCU college game here in Mobile, and and we'll see how it goes. You, you know as well as I do, these kind of games uh, or any college football game for that matter is about the matchup. Are, yep. are, are there teams that that fans want to see? Alabama State has a has a tremendous alumni base here in our area. Grambling. I mean, heck, we all grew up watching Grambling football highlights on on Sunday morning. So, you know, two iconic uh, uh, brands in HBC foot, HBCU football. And we're just, we're happy to, to bring them to Mobile and hopefully the uh, uh, everybody will support and come out uh, whether you're fans of those teams or not. Absolutely correct. Danny Corey, executive director of Sports Authority with us. And I, I will say this too, Danny, when you do look forward here to the events and the great things that are going on with the Mobile Sports Authority, tell us some of the events that are coming and moving in our direction here, not only with this Port City Classic that's coming on November 4th, but some other great events that you guys always host to wind down the year. Well, Corey, I appreciate you. You let me uh uh, talk about a little bit between now and the end of the calendar year we have 11 events planned anywhere from you mentioned the port city classic to volleyball to rugby to the ahsaa south regional cheer we have a wrestling tournament we have the aha south swimming and diving meet uh we have a a Publix battleship 12k run hosting out of mobile for the first time ever we have more volleyball in December, and in uh, middle of December, culminating in the North-South All-Star football game on December 15th at South Alabama. So those are just a few things. But what we announced last week, also with the AHSAA, we're bringing the state bowling tournament in here in late January of 24, 25, and 26. We have never had the, the, the state bowling championship here. We've had the South Regional but never the state championship. That's 32 teams, 16 boys, 16 girls will be here, plus their family. So we're, we're, we're looking forward to continuing our relationship with the HSAA, and, and hopefully that will lead to bigger and better things too. Danny, I, I can't thank you enough, but I can't let you go. Nick Wiggins and I, we're, we're, you know, WNSP, 
hosts the New Orleans Saints radio broadcast every single Sunday. Mike Haas does a great job. And, and, and what was funny is when we were talking to a New Orleans Saints informational director in communications, the last name that he remembered was Danny Cordy coming in <laughs> and to the Saints games from this area when you hosted your Saints show here on WNSP. So don't think that, that you're forgotten there in New Orleans because you're not. <laughs> well, I appreciate you letting me know that. I, we had a good time. We did it for 18 years. We got a, a world championship out of it. And frankly, on and I did it a long time and really enjoyed it. We really did. But I appreciate you saying that. You got it. Danny Cordy, the executive director of the Mobile Sports Authority, joining us this afternoon. And, Danny, thanks a lot for your time, and we'll talk to you very soon. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, Nick. We'll talk to you soon. Danny Cordy joining us this afternoon. Corey, are you, uh, you good at bowling? Yes, I, I like bowling, man. Let me tell you. Let's hear I, it. I, I, I'm probably not. I'm de- If I can bowl 115 oh, that's or not higher, <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> happy. I'm happy if I can bowl 115 or higher, you Nick. Good. Huh? I thought you said you were good. No, no. I never said I was good. I said you asked me do I bowl. That's what I bowl, and I think I'm horrible. <laughs> I, it, it's, it's fun and competitive. Yeah. I, I love bowling. It's relaxing. It's a lot of fun, and it's going to be huge to have the state championships here in Mobile. But bowling is one of those sports that, you know, you can never get enough of See, to I, me. I can't stand bowling. Really? I, I hated going out like, hey, everybody, let's go bowling because, you know, you're sitting there at that table talking to your friends, and then it, <laughs> it feels like there's like a task. It's like, Nick, it's your turn. It's like, all right, <laughs> fine, I'll go up there. And then, you know, you got like, you know, the girl you like watching you. And, I, and you know, then you, and you got that one guy who's just slinging it 60 miles an hour. And then here I am, like I'm doing like wee bowling, trying to like line, <laughs> line the line it up. up. And then, you know, I get like three pins. I'm like, oh, gosh, let me just go sit here. And I just hate that, man. And then it's someone's turn and they're over there getting food. And you're like, can someone just bowl for them? Well, I, I know bowling alley food is normally the best, though, man. I, if nothing else, do you, do you don't like the bowling alley food either? Nah, I'm not a big bowling alley guy, man. So it's just a, it's just a no go for nah, Nick Wiggins. See, like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I need the bumpers up. That's just me. But like, well, you're guaranteed to knock down at least one. Yeah, with the bumpers that's up. True, but man, that's you got to really like hang your head in shame <laughs> if you got the bumpers up and you don't have like you know a kid with you in your party or whatever. But no, nah, man, I can't do bowling. I can't do a skating rink. I can't do like any indoor, like fun athletic party thing. Just not for me. Man, you had to be scarred at childhood. Some, some, there was a tragic <laughs> event that happened for you not to want to go to a skating rink. I can't skate. Well, I don't that got would the be balance. Tra- That's why you must have fell and hit your head. Now we know. Maybe yeah, and and I got like a little bit of vertigo. That I'm a little <laughs> my equilibrium see, is off. We we knew it had to be something. <laughs> we knew it was Bronner and the spoiled milk. Now it's Wiggins hitting the bowling alley and as well as going to the skating rink and busting his you know what one too many times. I'll tell you what, they didn't have any of these when I was you know, like really young, and I would have been all over it. But those indoor trampoline parks, man, if they had some of those out here when I was like, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, I'd have been going crazy. Absolutely love to hear that story, Nick. Nick Wiggins bringing it down and breaking down the 
task of bowling am, and am why I, he doesn't like am it. Am I the only one on this? Is is this is it just me? I don't know. Maybe. I, maybe I'm hit us up in the here. app. Let us know. Give us a call. 251-694-1055. We'd love to hear from you. Do you like bowling? Do you not like bowling? Is skating rink where it's at? Is it not where it's at? We'd love to hear from you on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Hey, this is former Mobile TV sportscaster Eric Clemens, and when I'm in town, I listen to 105.5 FM Sports Radio, WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you on this hump day Wednesday. And don't forget, coming up at 4 o'clock, We'll get Teague's takes here in just a few minutes. George Teague, the former national champion for the Alabama Crimson Tide and current Dallas Cowboys analyst, will break down where the Cowboys went wrong on Sunday night against the San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, just as as a little side note, Nick, I know that um, growing up, I used to buy Wheaties, for two reasons. One, when Michael Jordan was on the Wheaties box and they were giving away free Michael Jordan posters inside of the Wheaties box, I used to buy Wheaties, one of the nastiest cereals. Yeah, I never tasted it before. It's like Frosted Flakes without the frosting. Okay. And you just have to dump a whole lot of sugar on it. And Mary Lou Retton was also on a Wheaties box. She was a 1984 gold medalist for the United States of America. She won the 84 gold in all around in gymnastics along, got a silver with her team and bronze on the floor and uneven bar routine. And she's fighting for her life in ICU and with pneumonia, pneumonia with a, a rare case of pneumonia. And, you know, our prayers and thoughts are, are with Mary Lou Retton. She has raised over $246,000 on her GoFundMe account because she didn't have medical insurance. And now, again, a former United States of America gold medalist, really the spokesman for women's gymnastics, is fighting for her life. So our thoughts and prayers are definitely with Mary Lou Retton and her family as, again, she represented in the 84 Olympics, unlike any other. Also, an- another kind of sad story is, are you, do you watch hockey at all? I do not. I've never sat and watched a hockey game. I, I like, I love sports. And I'll watch hockey, golf, tennis, doesn't matter. If it's a sport and it's on, I'll watch it. But Barry Melrose, when I was growing up, he coached Wayne Gretzky, was, was his coach. And, and now he's having to step away Known for his flamboyant suits, slick back kind of Pat Riley hair and a mullet. He's having to step away from NHL hockey and ESPN because of Parkinson's mm. disease. So two very unfortunate situations there. So our thoughts and prayers both with Barry Melrose along with Mary Lou Retton for sure. Four o'clock, Teague's take coming up, coming your way. We'll get Teague's take on the Crimson Tide and the Dallas Cowboys and all things college football coming up here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. 
The Sound of Mobile presents for the win. The final drive. No, they didn't. Oh my gracious! Yep. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Dick Wiggins. For the win. Yes. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, unbelievable! here on the final drive we want to welcome george teague to the final drive on wnsp 105.5 every wednesday at four o'clock we get teague's takes early on the dallas cowboys and the alabama crimson tide and just thoughts in general and i tell you teague my brother nick is expecting his first baby girl and do you have any fatherhood advice for Nick Wiggins as he's getting ready to welcome a young one into the world. Yeah, man. Congratulations to Nick you, on that. I understand how it is to have a, a daughter. Uh, mine is 23 now, but I, I have to tell you, uh, <laughs> go ahead and uh, sign up for the second job because girls are a whole lot more expensive than boys. <laughs> I believe that. I believe that. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding, man. You know, it's it's truly a blessing to uh, to be able to have that. I'm very happy for you, and congratulations to you and your family for uh, the birth of a child. I appreciate it, man. Hey, look, I don't know about any college fund with my uh, Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl future pick that I put in. <laughs> well, I think you lost that one already. If you put that, I don't know. I'm hoping you didn't put more than uh, 13 cents in there um, <laughs> to try to win because it's uh, – it will be tough for them. They're my boys. You know that. I love the Cowboys. That's I love right. what they do. I watch them every week. Um, but with that showing that they had against San Francisco, it does kind of bring to light how far away we really may be um, for being an NFC champion. George, when you look at the fact that Brock Purdy throws four touchdowns and then you look at Dak Prescott throwing three interceptions that could only come into the game throwing one interception and here it is against the 49ers who are the best team in the NFL right now he throws three was it the fact that he was just trying to force it too too much was it the fact that San Francisco's that good or a lot of people just I want to be able to love and like Dak and in Dak we trust to 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 get the Cowboys to to the Super Bowl and over the hump but I, I just know that he said this is probably the most demoralizing loss of his career, and that coming off a couple of weeks ago with the loss to the Cardinals. Well, I think – well, first, I think Dak is a good quarterback. He's not an elite quarterback. Right? There's a lot of quarterbacks in the league who, not, who are not elite. So uh, I want to keep that in perspective. He's not Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, he's not Justin Herbert. He's at um, Josh Allen. He's not that guy. Um, so he's a, a good quarterback. What I see him lacking, and I'm not, I am not. don't want to get into what footwork looks like, what his arm throw motion looks like and all that. It's really not that. I think it's most of the quarterbacks that help you get to a Super Bowl find a way to make some type of play happen. 
throwing up something. They got a little bit of luck on their side. They're changing some kind of call or some kind of play to put the team in the best position. That is not what I've seen out of Dak. You know, at those very critical moments, we can't say Dak is going to go down and win the game on the last drive um, of the game. I, I don't feel confident in saying that because I don't know that he can do something special like that. Not only trying to be able to do something special, the rushing game only produces 57 yards, and that's something that in the NFL, I know San Francisco is the best team in the league right now, but only 57 rushing yards, that's tough to live by. It is, and I think I, I'm going to say I expected that, Corey. I didn't think we were going to be able to run the ball. They're too good up, up front. They're front seven uh, with Fred Warner and Bosa and Hargrave and uh, so they got Dre Greenlaw. I mean, them dudes, they're, they're some dudes, man. They're, they're going to be able to play against anybody with the rest of the guys. What I did think, though, is that we would be able to go over the top. And so when I was charting the game, I did – I think me and McCarthy might have been on the same page because he threw a lot of passes early in the game. The problem was we didn't connect. We didn't have the separation of the wide receivers. It was mis-throw a little bit or something of that nature. Then we got ourselves in a rut, um, and they knew we were going to need to throw the ball. So um, I think we had a bad luck of the draw there, just not you know going three and out, three and out, <laughs> one and out, whatever it is, um, early kind of changed the momentum of the game you know, out of our favor. George, you say that Dak isn't, you know, he's not a Mahomes, he's not a Josh Allen. I mean, what what tier is he in? Is he uh, closer to maybe a Kirk Cousins? Is he a Jimmy Garoppolo-level type quarterback? I mean, where, you know, what level do you see him at? Is he right there in the middle, you know, like in the 15 to 20 range? Is he at the bottom of the top 10? Yeah, I got him at the... In the second tier, so if we were going 1 to 10, 10 to 20, or 11 to 20 and 21 and beyond or whatever, I got him in the um, middle to top end of the second tier. So, you know, going into the season, I thought he was probably the 11th, maybe 12th best quarterback in the league. Uh, I'm still watching and evaluating. He hasn't thrown the picks that he threw before, but he hasn't really come up with the big plays that he's had in the past either. Some of that can be McCarthy in the West Coast offense and the very fast throws. I get that. Um, so, you know, this would be a different evaluation because what, what he had to do with Kellen Moore is a whole lot different than what he's doing with uh, Mike McCarthy. Um, so I need a little bit more data. I guess to be able to say how good I really think he is and if he slips um, from 11 or 12, you know, down to lower. Do you, do you think that the receiving core could maybe be partially to blame for Dak's struggles? I mean, I, I don't – y'all haven't really utilized Brandon Cooks very much since you guys traded for him. I'm, you know what? I, I think I'm different because I'm not going to put that on Dak, right? Because – Coaches, and you guys know this, Nick and uh, Corey, you guys know this, that when guys, when coaches put a game plan in, when you have dudes, you have a whole slot on your sheet. Have you seen them offensive coordinators' pages? They got all different kind of codes and all this stuff, and they might have a, a blue one that's designated for, hey, this pass is specifically for um, Brandon Cooks. 
You know, this orange one is for Gallup and the whatever. Green one is for uh, C.D. Lamb or something. And so I feel like we don't we, – we always just take what they give us and it doesn't really matter who it goes to. We're certain teams, the Raiders, the Bills, um, the Eagles, you know, they all know, hey, this guy's going to get 10, 12 – targets a game we don't we don't do that we don't have a sheet i think that just says no when i call this one back you're throwing it over here to to him (laughs) i'm not sure that we do that well it's not only that i as the game opened i i felt i really i started to pick up the phone and call you because who other than the one and only terrell owens opens up Sunday night football saying get your popcorn ready being the former 49er being the former cowboy and when you see Terrell Owens and again you knocking the hell out of him on that star wearing that San Francisco 49ers uniform I know that you probably had to get a couple chuckles and a couple of phone calls with that Sunday night opening theme by NBC my phone was blowing up <laughs> that's true. A lot of text messages, a lot of calls about, you know, that I see that. Now, I'm a little bit more upset that I didn't even get invited off to the set just to sit in the corner. I mean, I understand he got a gold jacket and all that kind of stuff, and I ain't got one. But, uh, man, I could have at least been invited up just to sit in the corner and uh, <laughs> maybe eat a little bit of the popcorn. Yeah, they, they could have you know, done something clever where you, like, he recreated. said something, yeah, and you, like, ran in recreated. and hit him or something. <laughs> they could have done something funny they with that. They needed to recreate it. Yes. Uh, he wasn't going to have any part of that. He wasn't going to show up, man, if I, if I would have been there. <laughs> George Teague, our guest today. We're getting Teague's take here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. And, George, as, as we transition from the 42-10 to 10 loss by the Dallas Cowboys, we'll go back and we'll look at the Alabama Crimson Tide going in to Texas A&M, home with the 12th man and coming away with a huge win and a much-needed 26-20 to 20 win, one in which Jalen Milrow shows that, look, if we're not able to run the football, I can throw the intermediate ball. I can throw the deep ball. And he found one Jermaine Burton, and they hooked up several times and had some very explosive plays for Alabama. And Miro creating a single record for himself, That's that shows growth that everybody wants to see, George. Uh, I, I was very excited to see it, and I was there, and I was watching it, and I could see him loading the box up saying, daring us to be able to throw the ball. So I think it was awesome that uh, Milro was able to um, capitalize on that. 321 yards um, passing. No, we didn't have that many rushing yards. I was kind of disappointed in that part, but I think it showed a lot on Milro that for all of the naysayers, uh, you know, some of us are criticizing maybe a little bit too hard, saying, hey, he couldn't throw the ball very well. Uh, he showed that he could uh, during that game. Well, it's one of those 99 yards worth of penalties. We had 99 problems, and a W wasn't one that we had a problem with because <laughs> you like that, don't you, George? You like that, huh? <laughs> that was good. That was good, man. <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit of a penalty problem there, and – for those that, that didn't catch on, that is a little hip hop reference there. Um, there you go. Uh, but but <laughs> man, the, uh, fourteen penalties, man. Uh, you talk about that. That's a lot. That's being a little bit undisciplined. 
Um, you know, our Cowboys were doing it for a while. Now, you know, creeping down here to Bama. Um, those are things that, that hurt you in the big games, you know, the ones that you really need to have. So um, pre-snap penalties, I know um, Jalen was talking about, you know, communicating a little bit better with Cadence and, you know, when he was going to change things up or whatever. And we got to get on the same page with that because, it, you, you know, you put yourself in a, a bad position, particularly when it's on offense and you're first and 15 or you lose, you know, five yards and a, you know, on a third and one play, now you're third and six. It's going to cost you a ball game sooner or later. Well, it's not only the the penalties, a couple of turnovers, and I felt that Milrow was going to throw an interception as long as it wasn't a pick six. I was okay, but just because of, I knew that they were probably going to load the box. But speaking about defenses that decide to load the box and bring that safety down, let's talk about one Caleb Downs. Now a true freshman continuing to live up to the hype as a true freshman and has looked the role since he stepped on the campus early to me right now, I know people aren't really wanting to go and attack Kool-Aid McKinstry and his side of the field. That's why you're not hearing a lot of hype or a lot of tackles by Kool-Aid McKinstry, which is a great thing, but Caleb Downs, now he's creating even more depth and unfortunately Malachi Moore day to day with his injury also. Yeah, no, they've, they've been really good, and particularly Caleb Downs. So I, I broke him down just on one play um, on Teague's take. Me and JT um, did a, a little small segment on him having to play man-to-man on the slot as a safety, you know, from 10 yards back. It's very, very hard to do and difficult to do, and he did it flawlessly. So kind of took him, you know, to a whole new stratosphere um, with me. There are a lot of guys – in fact, they're honest playing well. All their techniques are really, really good. We're actually going to talk about some technical stuff um, tonight with Antonio Langham and how to stop the back shoulder fade that McKinstry got hit with. You know, what what is it, what do you really got to do to be able to, you know, make those plays um, there? So um, we're in a good position on defense. I think we're playing extremely well. We're playing physical. We've made some adjustments to be able to help stop the run, which we did. You know, um, we held them down in the Texas A&M game, uh, and hopefully we'll do the same against Arkansas this week. Um, but um, the defense has really kept us in the spot to be able to help Jalen Monroe be successful on offense. All right, George, you know I like to throw you a curveball every now and then. Now, a lot of people have said that Texas A&M was the toughest opponent left on Alabama's schedule. So I'm going to ask you, and I'm only going to, you know, Arkansas, look, kudos to them, but we know Alabama's going to win that game. Tennessee, LSU, Auburn. I want you to rank those, rate those games on a scale of 1 to 10 based off how confident you are that Alabama's going to win. A 10 being y'all win 60 to 0, a 1 being that you lose 60 to 0. And that's Tennessee, LSU, Auburn. How confident are you in Alabama to take care of business and finish out the regular season undefeated against each of those teams. Mm. Okay, so Tennessee, um, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm always worried about that one. I wouldn't. I would put myself at a five. That may surprise you a little bit, um, but you know, um, 
anytime you're playing against those last three teams, you're right. You know, playing Arkansas and these guys, we should be able to handle these guys. I felt that same way about Texas A&M. It's a little bit different when you start to play against Rocky Top. The 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 rivalry becomes a little bit more. LSU. Um, I'm gonna go. I think they're losing a little bit. I'm gonna go a little bit higher. I'll probably go a seven. I think we beat them pretty good. Um, as a matter of fact, I know it'll be a tough game just because it's LSU and that kind of stuff. Auburn, man, dude, uh, it scares me. I think we're going to them this year, right? Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. They're doing some pretty good stuff, and it's Auburn at Auburn. You know what they do in Auburn when our buses roll in? They try to tip them over. They don't ever show it on TV and all that kind of stuff. But they, them fans are crazy, man. They start rocking the bus and all that kind of stuff. But the the police officer in front of the bus, the first bus and behind the last bus, so all the stuff in the middle they tend to miss. But anyway, <laughs> at Auburn, uh, you know how that works. Um, so um, this would be the one I'd be a little negative on right now for because I still don't know how we're going to be with uh, – Row. Can we get a complete game together? Are we are we going to be one dimensional? Only pass, only run, and really just have to leave it on our defense to try to win a game. Really looking forward to always getting Teague's takes. And you mentioned special guest, one of your former teammates, national championship backfield, one that sometimes gets confused for. I know we made a little <laughs> joke about that a, a while back, but. You have Antonio Langham joining you tonight on Teague's Take, and, and people can tune in and watch you guys reminisce, laugh, and, and break down this current state of the Alabama Crimson Tides football team from a technique and fundamental standpoint. And I know the defense wins championships. Who better to know that than you and your, your teammate Antonio Langham, Deontay Lawson? He makes his return back to this defense, and even though he may not be 100%, he said there's a difference between being injured and being hurt. And he made sure that he was continuing to be vocal on a couple of the penalties that were assessed to some of his teammates, and that's what it takes. And I know that leadership was there for you guys in 92 from a defensive side of the ball and will continue to be there for this Crimson Tide team to be effective and continue to get Milro confident in what he's doing. How can people tune into that great broadcast tonight and get a little bit of Teague's take along with your former Alabama Crimson Tide teammate? Now, you can always find us at Teague's Take on Twitter and Instagram, at Teague's Take Podcast on YouTube and Facebook. Um, so uh, just come on in, give us a subscribe and like. We're doing a lot of good things, fellas. Now, you know, we spend a little bit of time talking to our guests like Antonio, get to know him a little bit more. Maybe people don't know some stuff about him because I really don't know if he's a – is he considering himself a 49 or is he considering himself a, you know, a Cleveland Brown um, alumni. So I'm interested to learn that. But then I got to – we got to talk football about him, so we'll put the film on it. And show that up uh, for them, too. So, y'all go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page and get all the info you need. Absolutely. We'll definitely do that. Want to get your prediction on Dallas and the Chargers, a Monday night football game coming up for the Cowboys. Do they redeem themselves or does Herbert 
proved to be why he is considered a tier one quarterback. I know people can hear this all over the country, you know, because you download the app, the WNSP app. You can uh, make sure you can hear this wherever you are, whenever you are. And so my people in Dallas might get a little bit upset with me, but I'm thinking the Dallas Cowboys get upset again, um, honestly. I think um, I'm listening to a lot of stuff around here. I think it's going to be a close game, but, you know, we got some injuries. Van Der Esch going down. Um, you still, uh, you got Jordan Lewis, you know, there's just some people that are hurt, Turpin, you know, some guys that are, we're going to have to overcome with, and I know there's that, we got to bounce back, have that bounce back game, but we got to go to California, two hour difference, all kind of stuff, man, it's just, you know, it's Monday night, Keenan Allen, whew, I don't know, could be a tough one. And let me ask you this, do you like your bacon burnt? and a little pulled pork. You can have some bacon bits for breakfast and then turn around and have some pulled pork for dinner. Will the Crimson Tide continue to roast the pigs? Oh, man. We're, we're going to uh, – I've already put the season on the pig. All they got to do is <laughs> uh, cook it now. I got already seasoned up for They just going to put it on that little roll and let that thing simmer for about three and a half hours at homecoming because I'm going to be there too, and I'm going to be the first one to taste some of that pig after the game too. Um, so – I think we roll in this one. It's a homecoming game. I'm going to be G'd up, fellas. I might have to send y'all some pictures. I know it's radio. Y'all can't see it, but maybe y'all can post it online or something so people can see how fly I'm going to be after this game after we uh, cook us up some Razorback. We'll definitely post it for you. Always love George Teague on Wednesdays here on the Final Drive. Every Wednesday, 4 o'clock p.m., and then you can get more of Teague's Take. And that's the Teague's Take podcast available on YouTube. So looking forward to checking that out tonight as well. George, thank you so much for your time, and we'll talk to you again next week. Yes, sir. See you guys soon. Bye. George Teague, Alabama Sports Hall of Famer, Alabama Crimson Tide National Champion. Now he has me wondering. I know Roman Harper's always clean on SEC Nation. Oh, we got to rate that fit. Man, going to have to check out his fit because he had a fly jacket and some nice customized shoes the last time he posted. That's right. Look, I love George Teague, man. Humble guy. Look, you, I mean, based off those numbers, what did he say? A five Tennessee, so that's basically 50-50. A seven against LSU, so confident. And then a four against Auburn. So he's, at this moment, leaning a little more Auburn. Now, I know you're saying, you'd say 10, 10, 10. <laughs> <laughs> no, like a slot machine. <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yeah, we'll hit it. We'll hit it. But you asked him the question, and he kept it real. So we okay. always appreciate George Teague for joining us here on The Final Drive. We'll be right back here on WNSP 105.5. Hi, this is Mark Malone, former NFL quarterback. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive. Just got done wrapping up with George Teague. Always love hearing Teague's take, even when the Cowboys are down. At least Bama's looking all right. But, Corey, did you know on this day in history, Deion Sanders, prime time, became the first athlete to suit up for an NFL and an MLB game on the same day? I do remember when that happened, and you look at Dion just being that dude, man. I mean, one of the, if not the best, two-way or two-sport athlete that has ever lived and continuing to cash in 
in today, some 20 plus years later, when you do look at this day in history, but being able to accomplish that feat in one day and going back and watching the footage of Deion Sanders putting on that Braves uniform and then having a chance to, to play in the NFL all on the same day, that that's a very special situation and something that you'll probably never see ever again because, again, when you look at this time of season, first of all, the Braves had to be in some type of postseason play. So if you're looking at just the ability for Dion to make that type of impact and difference, he was that guy. Yeah, and look, people are still remembering it because a lot of baseball players today are rocking some Dion drip. Some wearing the Colorado Buffaloes hoodie, some just wearing the prime time, you know, the, the throwback 90s Dion Sanders on the T-shirt. I think Bryce Harper was one of the guys that was rocking it today. So, look, yeah. man, prime time, man. There's a lot of believers out there, man, a lot of believers. Well, I hope there's a lot of believers in this Atlanta Braves team. They're tied currently with the Philadelphia Phillies, top of the second, two outs, 0-0 zero to zero is our score. So by the time we go off the air at 6 o'clock, we're probably close to the fifth or sixth inning. And, you know, no matter what the score is, the Atlanta Braves proved a couple of days ago, do not turn that dial. Make sure you find – the Superstation and watch that game because the way that the Atlanta Braves were able to to come away with a dramatic come from behind win over the Phillies in game two to save their season. This one is just as important for the Atlanta Braves. Zero to zero and they're getting ready to go here to the bottom of the second inning. And you do mention the fact that the Philadelphia Phillies Bryce Harper or and also Nick Castellanos did have on that Coach Prime Buffalo sweatshirt. So that's that's in Philadelphia. It's not even the Atlanta Braves players that are sporting it. And I think that it's that just goes man. to show what you have to say. And and speaking of Colorado, they will be playing on tomorrow. On, excuse me, on Friday against Stanford. And that's not a Saturday game, so you'll get an opportunity to see the Buffaloes play on Friday night against Stanford, and it'll be another late-time kickoff. But Travis Hunter could also return for Colorado. Speaking of two-way players, uh, you know, Dion, offense, defense, special teams, and then baseball player, football player. Travis Hunter has been out with that lacerated liver. How big would it be to get him? back in the lineup, not only for this game, but then you have that bye week before you get ready to try to become bowl eligible. Yeah, I mean, you would hope that he can play this week. If not, then you know he'd be ready the week after the bye week. But look, man, Colorado Buffaloes, they're a fun team to watch every game, man. It's down to the wire. You're going to see a highlight play. There's going to be some type of comment or something that just takes over social media. Now, I do think that the hype has died down a little bit. I think the Dion hype got replaced by Taylor Swift hype. It, it could have. And now I think the Taylor Swift hype has died down a little bit. So, you know, there's always something that the media is running with. I, I wonder what it's going to be next. From a follower standpoint on Instagram, how many followers do you think they had prior to Dion arriving in Colorado? Oh, I don't, 100K? 58,000. You know how many they have now? Two mil. Over a million followers. You go from 58K to over a million. 
That's the primetime effect. And we'll also be talking about the NIL effect that we talked about earlier with Mark Stoops, who is the highest-valued college football player. The Final Drive will be right back. Hi, this is Bill Hancock, Executive Director of the College Football Playoff, and you are listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you on this wet Wednesday edition of the final drive. Much needed rain because you've been talking about the fire warnings that were the dryness in the air. And this will have an opportunity to get those pumpkins a little bit slicker out there in the pumpkin patches. And I know that as far as being able to be able to, to, to have that glass slipper as you talking about pumpkins in the pumpkin patch. Who do you think is and has the highest NIL value? Because we heard Mark Stoops, what his NIL thought was about begging the big blue nation at Kentucky, say, hey, look, Georgia's buying their guys. We need to, to pay more. We need to, to get our guys more. Um, and and it's, it's a public plea for NIL, but – when you start looking at these guys' worth, and if you want to be on the level of a Georgia, who do you think has the most worth in college football right now from an NIL standpoint? As a pl- one As player, a player, Shadur. Shadur, $4.8 million in value. If you're flexing the watch like that, man, you, I know you have to be at least in the top three. And, and what, did, what did Dion say yesterday? Dion said, listen, he's got to find a way to cash out on, on that because now you've got NFL players on Sunday yeah. emulating what he's doing. So Dion said, look, you, you find a way to make my son even more money. Now, I, I still find this strange. Who do you think is number two and three for NIL value? Mm, with you saying it's strange, that leads me to believe it's not a Caleb Williams. Uh, I'm guessing Arch Manning, he's been in there. Is it Arch? Still Arch Manning. And I will I will give Arch Manning credit. Not that he needs any extra money coming from the success that his family does have and you want to create your own self-worth. But his Panini trading card endorsement, he's taking those funds and donating them to the Ronald McDonald House. Nice. So not capitalizing there, just turning it over to a good deed and a good cause. So, yes, Arch Manning. $2.8 million worth of NIL value. And who do you think is three? Hmm, I would say Caleb Williams. It is Caleb okay. Williams, your, your right. reigning Heisman Trophy winner, as it should be, right at $2.7 million. And now you have one coming in and who's made a steady climb up this NIL valuation list. Who do you think is coming in at four? Um... He's made a steady climb. Is it Bo Nix? It is Travis Hunter. Oh, Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter That's right. was surpassed by one of his teammates, but now he's in the top five. And you do look, you mentioned Bo Nix. Bo Nix does make the top ten. Bo Nix is right at $1.4 million in NIL value. But Mark Stoops making those comments, which are, are pretty interesting to say, in regards to how he feels you have to deal with it. Now, also, when you do look not only at NIL, 
when we were talking about the college football schedule and where we're going to be at the Outsider on Saturday at 11 a.m. We'd love for you to come join us. But Nick Saban, what do you think and how do you think he handles those 11 a.m. kickoffs? What do you think his record is in 11 a.m. kickoffs? And uh, here's I imagine the, it's pretty good. Here's the bonus and one for you, okay? All right. Who was the last coach to defeat Alabama on its homecoming? LSU. And the coach? Uh, Ed Ogeron? Nick Saban. Oh wow. Two thousand one. So okay. you, you were you were trending right there. It definitely in the right direction. Really going way back. Yes. And that and that's why Alabama just doesn't lose homecoming games, but he's also undefeated in those eleven o'clock AM games. So he's found the, the secret sauce, the formula to get his guys ready to to run the table at eleven o'clock in the morning. So I don't know if that means you you want to play Auburn at eleven AM at some point in time. I don't know if that means you want to play LSU at eleven AM. See those games will never be at eleven AM though. No, it absolutely not. Again. Absolutely they won't be. Now with this new contract that's coming in with CBS exiting the picture, you never know if you can get that double header and sometimes you do pull the trigger on an eleven AM best matchup, but normally you do get the 2.30 slot or the primetime matchup on ESPN. But I found it interesting, the fact that undefeated Nick Saban was in the early games and Alabama hasn't lost since 2001 and their homecoming game. And I know that also, Nick, when you do look at Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers, do you know what subject Hugh Freeze used to teach when he was a high school teacher? He's a coach, so I'm going to say history. Try geometry. Okay, nice. So, so you you know, you, you look at, he compares calling plays for the Auburn Tigers to teaching geometry. And you have to go back and think about him being the head coach at Briarcrest High School in Tennessee from 95 to 04. And that's where, of course, Blindside and Michael Orr come from and his relationship there but just the way that he compares geography to freeze taught geography while he was coaching in high school and he compares it to geometry so I, I read that wrong geography and geometry two subjects that I found pretty interesting for Hugh Freeze to compare calling offensive plays to geometry now math I, I, I never figured out how a negative and a negative could be a positive that always puzzled me i don't know what your math skills were like I but was pretty good at math back in the day uh, i could break down a formula real quick i haven't done math in a long time i was a communications major so i took one math class in college um but a negative and a negative makes a positive because if you have negative two because, see, if you have negative 2 and you multiply it 2 times, n 2 negative 2s would be negative 4. But if you have a negative 2 and you multiply it negative 2 times, a negative 2 amount of negative 2s would be 4. Are you positive? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's where we're going to stretch it. Are you positive? Yes. Because that's way too much math for me. Uh, you, 
You, you just go two plus two is supposed to equal four. I tell you, I never liked fractions. Once you start dividing the fractions and multiplying the fractions, you know, now I get a little, little hazy. I will say this. You, you do look at what is at times thought to be hazy is when Hugh Freeze does to have to take over the calling of the plays for Auburn. And that's something that he did mention in his bye week here in Mobile about having to take over. But comparing it to geometry, I, I just find that real interesting. And, you know, some coaches, you call them coach, and you would expect maybe P.E. or something like that when you do call a P.E. teacher coach. But a lot of these coaches, I know Kerry Stevenson, who used to be at Viger and won a state championship there and went on to win multiple national championships when he was on Nick Saban's staff, was one of the best math teachers that you could ever find. He loved teaching Algebra 2 trig and geometry and college algebra to those students who were taking those courses to get college credit in high school at Viagra High School. So you do see coaches that sometimes do step out, and you do see, if you're teaching geography, how you can use wars and battles and strategies from a history standpoint to, to get your team ready and prepared for battle. But I know most coaches, again, you, you do think about P.E., and not English teachers or math teachers. Yeah. Most as of the well. coaches I had in high school, they were history teachers. History teachers definitely can help you get prepared for and understand strategy when it comes down to battle. So I just thought that that was an interesting thought by Hugh Freeze saying, look, there's some geometry involved, and he was a geography teacher himself in high school. The final drive on WNSP 105.5. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Vernon Lundquist from CBS Sports. You're listening to WNST Mobile, Alabama. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you on this wet Wednesday afternoon. And if you're a baseball fan and you're trying to keep up with what's going on with the Atlanta Braves, well, so far so good for the Bravos up 1-0 to zero over the Phillies in the top of the third. And the Braves looking to, to do some damage. And if they're able to, to continue to have that explosive output offensively with home runs they should have no problem winning game number three of this series with the Philadelphia Phillies and also I know that the top undefeated college football teams Nick when they come out with the AP top 25 every single week Georgia has surpassed 17 consecutive weeks as the AP top number one team in the country in the SEC surpassing Alabama's reign as consecutive number ones in the AP poll. I, I know that Kirby Smart said, look, I, I don't care where we are ranked as long as we are ranked number one at the end of the year. But being able to hold on to that number one spot from start to finish, I know Georgia has a long way to go before they do that. But the odds are in their favor to, at this point in time, possibly see Alabama in the SEC championship. But I just don't know that 
when you look at this streak by Georgia and people wanting to vote Michigan number one in the country, if Georgia would have struggled against Kentucky and wouldn't have laid the gauntlet and the hammer down the way that they would have, I could have seen a lot more votes starting to sway Michigan's way. Yep. But by Georgia in dominating fashion, handling their business against the Kentucky Wildcats, to me, they are the clear-cut number one team in the country. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think that Michigan would have beat Kentucky in the same fashion that Georgia did. Um, I think right now Georgia, even though they have, you know, they struggled against South Carolina, they struggled against Auburn a little bit, but I do think that Georgia right now, they control their own destiny. As long as they win out, I don't think that Michigan can overtake them unless, you know, Georgia were to to struggle against really bottom tier talent and Michigan were to blow out an uh you know some top tier talent but look Kentucky they they were undefeated right when Georgia yeah, played them so, I mean, last like, week they and they look how they played against Florida so I mean that was a really good quality win and by far the best win for Georgia this season so definitely worthy of being number one so Michigan is sitting there at number two just waiting and you do have Ohio State, Oregon, Washington, Oklahoma, Penn State, Florida State, USC, North Carolina, Louisville, Air Force, James Madison, and Liberty. 14 teams undefeated in college football. And James Madison is right there at 13. That's a team that South Alabama really struggled with on the road. And I know coming up, in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll talk about the South Alabama Jaguars and them gaining positive traction and momentum going into next Tuesday night's Sunbelt Conference matchup with Southern Miss coming over from Hattiesburg with Craig Stevenson from AL.com will be joining us to talk about the Jaguars at the, at the midpoint of the season. But Florida State, I, I know they've had a couple of scary games, a Clemson, and you look at Boston College, got out of there by the hair on their chinny-chin-chin. But you do look at Oregon Washington playing one another. One of those are going down. You look at Penn State and Ohio State here in a couple of weeks. One of those are going down. And I think North Carolina, I, I just really, Drake May, he's always going to make a lot of news and be at the top of a lot of people's Heisman ballots. But I'm still not all in on North Carolina yet. No, I'm not either. Uh, they got a good quarterback, but I don't know about the rest of that roster. Yeah, absolutely. Now, again, Craig Stevenson joining us next here on the final drive to talk about the South Alabama Jaguars. And one of the biggest breakthroughs for the South Alabama Jaguars has been their wide receiver play over the last few years whether you're looking at Colin Lacey here or Jalen Tolbert or Jalen Wayne, you've seen some, some great wide receiver performances here by South Alabama's wideouts the last few years, and Colin Lacey is the latest. And we'll talk to Craig Stevenson next on the upcoming game with Southern Miss coming up next Tuesday here on the Final Drive on WNSP. The Sound of Mobile presents... The final drive. No, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yep. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. For the win! 
live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Welcome to hour number three of the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins on this wet Wednesday edition of the final drive. Make sure you slow down and watch out for those slick puddles that are accumulating on the roadside. And if you have not downloaded the free Sound of Mobile app, please go ahead and do that to any Apple or Android device that you may have. You're able to correspond with us here in the app and keep us up to date for sure on things that are going on, not only on the topics we're discussing here, but on Friday nights, the Pigskin Pete Show, whatever game you are at, you can give us live updates from that and correspond with us on the opening kickoff and the final drive also. So great reasons to download that. You can always call us the old-fashioned way, too, 251 694-1055, and South Alabama has at times played old-fashioned slobber knocker football also, and we saw that as evident as them going into Stillwater, Oklahoma, and taking care of business against Oklahoma State, and Greg Stevenson does a phenomenal job covering the South Alabama Jaguars on a daily basis for AL.com, and want to welcome him into the final drive. How's it going, my friend? Hey, doing well, Corey. You know I really love you if I'm doing this interview in the middle of the Braves playoff game. So, you know, you got to give me some credit on this one, I guess. I'll give you a whole lot of credit, and that's why I'm not going (laughs) to hold you you that long because, you know, I I see the Phillies with their rally towels going, and the Braves were up 1-0, to and now the Braves, it's a tie game. So uh, we'll jump right to the the great article you wrote for AL.com here about the South Alabama midway point three and three mm-hmm. right now and one and one in Sun Belt. not exactly what you thought and where you thought the Jaguars would be at this point in time but up and down and it's just really what we all would like to see is consistency with this team yeah I agree with you you know the funny thing is going into this year I thought they would probably lose to Tulane I thought they would probably lose that James Madison. I thought they had a chance to win at Oklahoma State, certainly not to the degree that they won. Um, and then, you know, of course, figured they'd beat ULM and, and uh, Southeastern Louisiana. The one game that has kind of swung things is that Central Michigan game. And obviously they're up 14 nothing in the first quarter. They were, uh, you know, had the lead with, uh, I don't know, less than 30 seconds left, give up the late touchdown. So, if you if that one game, you know, if they make one play right there at the end, knock a pass down or, you know, whatever, or, you know, obviously the, the, the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty they got late in the game was a big one. So if that game goes the other way, they're probably about where we thought. But, you know, when you only got a six-game sample, when you lose one, you probably shouldn't have that, that hurt thing. So they have equaled the losses from last year, which I think is a little bit of a disappointment. But things still in front of them, you know, obviously still a contender in the Sun Belt, uh, still a contender. Uh, you know, in the West Division and all that, all that's in front of them. They had a bye this week going in, the, you know, and obviously going into a key stretch here of, uh, what is it, three straight uh, games against West Division opponents. Yeah, and that's what's huge. Like you said, controlling your own destiny, South Alabama still being in shape. I, I, I know that you and I both had eyeballs on that James Madison game. And James Madison, yeah. 5-0, and 2-0, and, and one of the – 
14 undefeated teams in college football. James Madison, the last couple of years, has just been the signature of consistency. And if they were eligible for bowl contention, man, they could be the fly in the ointment for a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. I think there's only three uh, group of five undefeated teams left. It's James Madison, Air Force, and then Liberty, which we saw beat Jacksonville State last night. Um, so they're good. I mean, there's no question about it. I, I think I've, I've said this to a lot of people. If you took their defensive front seven and put it in a kind of a lower tier SEC team like a Mississippi State or or Kentucky or somebody like that, you wouldn't notice. I mean, they're they're a good defensive front now. Um, you know, you still don't want to get handled like that if you're South Alabama, um, you know, against a conference opponent. But uh, it's a good team. There's no question about it. Um, but, you know, you can take your lumps on that one. The good thing is if you do win the division, you don't have to face them again because, like you said, they're not eligible for the uh, conference championship. Now, if you are calling Lacey, I know that he had a wide receiver, Voicen, that was across from him that goes down. Devin Voicen with that season-ending knee injury. I know that that third wide receiver that you mentioned in your article is going to be so very important because sooner or later, you would think by now teams would catch on and be able to stop calling, but he's continued to produce along with the heritage of Jalen Wayne and Jalen Tolbert as now for fifth or sixth year, South Alabama has that go-to wide receiver. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Collins been a guy that uh, has been productive since his first uh, season at South Alabama. As we know, he was a running back at Faith Academy, uh, but he moved to wide receiver at the college level, and he's been, you know, in the return game as a, uh, you know, receiver. They, they really worked him mostly on kind of some short yardage stuff and, you know, maybe Rick, uh, running the ball on speed sweeps and stuff his first couple of years, but he's become more of a downfield threat the last two years, especially this year. Like you said, with Devin Voison uh, injured, they haven't really developed that second and third guy since Voison got hurt. Um, but Lacey, man, I mean, it doesn't, it, it has not mattered yet. Um, you know, James Madison bottled him up for a little while, but he got loose late in the game and really helped South Alabama make a game of it there. Five straight 100-yard games, which is a South Alabama record. Uh, he's third in the country in receiving yards. The only two guys ahead of him are SEC guys, uh, Luther Burden at Missouri and uh, the, the receiver Malik, uh, what's his neighbors at LSU, are the only two ahead of him. And he's on his way to a really good season. I mean, if you kind of double what he's done, you, you got a chance to set some school records, which uh, he was really impressive, like I said, for a guy that was a running back in, in high school. Getting after the pass rusher is something that you have to be able to do, having effective pass rushers, rather. And I know Carter Bradley continuing to value the football and not really turn it over. Carter's done a good job this year of sliding in and really, to me, has, has been effective as a leader at the quarterback. It's just those games to where sometimes the, the running game not being cranked up the way it needs to be. LaDainian Webb is one of those guys that is all Sunbelt Conference potential if they're able to open up those holes for him. Yeah, uh, like you said, the offensive line has been okay. It hasn't been great. It hasn't been as good as it was last year, but it, I, I don't think it's really been a liability or anything. Um, you know, they really missed James Jackson, who was the center on last year's team, two-year starter. Really just was a rock-solid guy. I think of all the guys they lost from last year's team, he probably was the most important that they missed this year. On the defensive side of the ball, they've been pretty good up front. They've been really good stopping the run. But, yeah, just generating that havoc – uh, in the pass rush without blitzing. Uh, they've had trouble doing that. You know, that's been an issue really since Womack came back at South Alabama. 
you know, when he was here the first time, they did a really good job of that. They had Randy Allen, who was one of the best defensive linemen or outside linebackers, defensive ends in the Sun Belt. Uh, but, you know, they've been more of a containment-type defense uh, the last three years since Womack came back. And I know they would like to be more, uh, like I said, create more havoc, but just for whatever reason it hasn't happened yet. Maybe it will, uh, you know, as they go down the stretch of the season. Well, I'll tell you, I'll let you go down to the stretch and and do whatever rally cap you have to do to, to get the Braves back yeah. in position, and, and I'll get you off the line. How can people follow all of your great articles on AL.com? Because, look, if you're superstitious like I am, I'm gonna, look, look, it was one-to-one, so don't blame it on me. They weren't they weren't losing yeah. yet, and, and no. I, I will, you know, the, I've learned one thing. The last couple of days, don't turn that dial because it's not over till it's over for the Atlanta Braves <laughs> yeah. for sure. But how can people follow all your tremendous coverage and check out all your writings? Uh, AL.com slash USA. And then, of course, follow me on Twitter or X or whatever they're calling it now. At Craig Stevenson, C-R-E-G-S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-O-N. Thanks, Corey. Thank you so much, Craig Stevenson, joining us here on the final drive. And, you know, it's one of those things to where, yeah, you got to get your rally cap on. Bryce Harper, yeah, that name right there, I know that, Nick, you're not a tremendous follower of baseball, but Bryce Harper, when you do see the headlines come up, you know that Harper is one of those guys that, that, that's gotten the bag and gotten paid. Yep. yep. But when you're in postseason play and you've, hitting, you've hit nine home runs in postseason – and your clutch, it was one-to-one. And while I was talking to Craig, it, it jumped to four-to-one because there was a three-run blast by Bryce Harper, and now Atlanta has caught on the bullpen. So I know Lee Shervanian is not too happy right now. Probably but because he was rocking that Dion gear before the game. A, a, he was. He was. And that might have given him a, a little luck there in, in the prime of his career. There you go. Checking out that prime sweatshirt and the Phillies now leading the Atlanta Braves four to one bottom of the third two outs with runners on first and second for those baseball enthusiasts. And last night you do see the Texas Rangers advance to the ALCS with the sweep of the Baltimore Orioles. And they're waiting on the winner out of Houston and Minnesota, Houston, up in that series so you could have everything being bigger in texas with the rangers facing the astros there to go to the world series so wouldn't that be interesting and even though things look bleak right now for the atlanta braves there's a huge difference in between the philadelphia phillies juice and the atlanta braves juice that goes on at home sometimes you flourish and feed off of the crowd when you're at home Sometimes you don't. Again, Atlanta leading one to zero, and then it goes to one to one, and now we're looking at a four to one deficit. Not impossible because we did see the Atlanta Braves do it a couple of days ago, okay. trailing by this same exact margin, come back and and find a way. A lot of people tuned out, turned out. I encourage you not to do so. This series tied at one to one. So, looking forward to to seeing if the Braves can come back and have another one in dramatic fashion.
fashion. That's the right. And look, you know, speaking of turning out, yeah. we need to get our listeners to turn out and come out to the outsider and watch Alabama versus Arkansas. They got some great drink specials. You can walk out of there with a WNSP t-shirt. They're going to be giving away an Alabama jersey courtesy of the vault. I think they're doing that at halftime. You can also enter into their giveaway for Iron Bowl tickets, so you can have a chance to maybe win some of those. Um, and look, that's all in downtown Mobile. You got the insider right next door, the food court right there, a lot of food options right there off Cedar Street. Early game, go ahead and kick off your Saturday. Have a good time at the Outsider. And, you know, maybe walk away with some prizes, watch the game. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. When we come back here on the final drive, we'll, we'll go back a little bit to the NFL. And we were talking to George Teague about his thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys. And you love the fact that George Teague just keeps it original and with his thoughts and being a realist about the tier of quarterback that Dak Prescott is, doesn't shake any bushes or trees and say that Dak is supposed to shake himself out to a tier one quarterback puts Dak at the tier two quarterback yep. and losing to Herbert on Monday night football this upcoming Monday night so that will down be interesting on the Cowboys down on the Cowboys well I, Nick I, I know that you're pulling for him for sure and the Atlanta Braves continuing to give up runs so Craig can know it's not me just being on the phone with him when they're giving up right. runs. Not to worry there. We'll see how the Atlanta Braves will come out, keep you updated. But on the other side, we'll talk Michael Parsons and Debo Samuel. This is Jordan Farley from the University of Alabama. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Roll Tide. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. And for those who are following the Atlanta Braves baseball game, 6-1 to one now at the end of the third inning in favor of the Philadelphia Phillies. And Bryce Harper definitely making that difference. And that three-run homer being the difference right there early for him and, and just continues to hit home runs in the postseason, Nick. And that's very impressive when you start looking at what he's able to accomplish. And when you look at what's also being able to be accomplished this past week by the San Francisco 49ers, Michael Parsons, through the first couple of weeks of NFL football, people were saying he is one of the greatest defensive linemen of all time. He's put going to put up record numbers, mentioning him and Lawrence Taylor and some of the Baltimore Ravens defenses that won the Super Bowl. And now, for whatever reasons, Michael Parsons has kind of been ineffective. But I love the banter when you do look at the Cowboys 49ers rivalry. Debo Samuel. I love Debo. If you ever saw the movie Friday, yeah. you know why I love the name Debo. And Debo Samuel with some words for Michael Parsons after Michael Parsons pops off a little bit. So this Cowboys 49ers rivalry continues to, to brew. And you just basically have to walk it like you talk it. And Debo Samuel and the San Francisco 49ers, the best team in the NFL right now. 
I die, but I'm gonna say this. Laugh now, cry later. We got something for that. Just trust. If we see them again, just trust. And we're gonna put it just like that. I ain't gonna put too much on it. You're gonna make it personal. We can make it personal. I think, uh, you know, it was, already, it? it was already personal before the game started. Now, um, 42 to 10, I don't think you like want to see us again. It might be a little bit worse. Debo. I don't know what we trust. Micah. <laughs> Micah, Debo. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'm getting uncomfortable. I don't know. I don't know what we trust. We trust you know laugh now, cry later. I mean, I don't think you want to see us again. Yeah, so Micah, you know, he took exception to Kittle flashing the F Dallas t-shirt after the touchdown, one of his three touchdowns. But look, man. The San Francisco 49ers team, I know people like to say I'm Paul Feinbaum, I'm Stephen A. Smith, but this might be one of the best teams in NFL history. Right now, they're playing like it, but you look at it's Mr. Early. Irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, right now, the, the, the Dallas defense had no answer for Brock Purdy, and they're still trying to find an answer, but I like it when – Professional athletes just, you know, they make absurd amounts of money. Mm -hmm. And you, you find me $10,927 for wearing an FU T-shirt. Do you think he Kittle cares? No. And no, he, he, he doesn't care. He the fine when he did it. You know, I wish I would have asked uh, George when he was on. You know, he talks about Dak and the tier that he's in. Where, where does Brock Purdy fall in that you think would you rather right now have Brock Purdy as your quarterback than Dak Prescott I'm not gonna lie to you yes when you look at wanting to believe in what Dak Prescott can do well well you, there's a lot of people that don't believe in Dak Prescott and, and and it's evident that a lot of people don't believe in him because when you do look at it LaShawn McCoy on FS1, this is what he thinks about Dak Prescott and his performance versus the San Francisco 49ers. Dak was what to the 49ers? It's only right I say it again. Ass. <laughs> the truth is, he's not that good. Pick, pick, pop, 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 pick. You can't win like that. It should have been three picks. You can't win with a guy like that. Can the Cowboys win with a guy like that, Nick? That's LaShawn McCoy's I think, thoughts about it. See, I liked Dallas in the preseason because I thought their receiving core, their offensive line, their running backs, and their defense were enough that all Dak had to do was just, you know, be smart. Really I, I viewed them the way that the 49ers are built. The 49ers, you got McCaffrey, you got Debo Samuel, you got Kittle, Ayuk, a great offensive line, a great defense. All Brock Purdy has to do is just go in there and not mess it up. And that's just the same, the same thing that Dak, I thought Dak Prescott needed to do. But I think, you know, Kyle Shanahan, he's probably one of the, if not the greatest offensive mind in the NFL right now. Definitely top three. I know you got your Miami guy in there for sure. McVay as well. But just this Dallas offense, they're not using 
their weapons effectively. I mean, Brandon Cooks is getting one catch a game. C.D. Lamb, right, he's supposed to be a top 10 wide receiver in the league. He's getting four catches a game. That's just not enough. Tony Pollard, you know, I think a lot of people thought he was going to have a big breakout year with Ezekiel Elliott out of the backfield. He's not doing enough. And when you have all these big star players and none of them are hitting the expectation that you thought they were going to hit, it's not like just all of a sudden everyone in Dallas just got worse. I think it is schematic. I think it is the coaching. Teague, you know, said it. I don't necessarily – maybe Dak's not given the opportunity to make a lot of reads and, and throw it to the guys he wants. It seems like everything's very formulaic. I don't know. Everything that San Francisco looks like right now is what I wanted and expected Dallas to look like. Prescott signing the four-year $160 million deal in front of that 2021 season. Equating, you know, you do that math real quick in four-year deal. That 40 mil a year? A right? Little, right at 40 mil a year. And I, I, I just, I don't know. I, when you do look at the amount of money that you would hope he would be worth, and are you getting more bang for your buck? Absolutely not. Absolutely no. not. I mean, I, I like to – Dallas is a loaded roster – with a lot of talent, and you think of other quarterbacks in the league and if they would have more success if they were in Dallas. I mean, can you imagine if the Dallas Cowboys quarterback was Kurt Cousins? I mean, how much better would Dallas be? And then you also think, like, imagine if Dak Prescott was, you know, I, I said Kurt Cousins. Let's imagine if Dak was the quarterback of the Vikings. Now, I know the Vikings are struggling, but they're playing everyone close. And Kirk Cousins and that offense is still putting up numbers. I don't necessarily think that Dak would maybe be able to replicate that. I think just at the end of the, the, end of the day, Dak Prescott is a middle-of-the-road quarterback. But, wh- just but a why, guy. why is it that Jerry Jones went all in on Dak when, when Dak really hadn't even done anything? And, and I know that same he came he off that gruesome foot injury, man. Yeah. Same, gruesome. Sa- same way he went all in on Ezekiel Elliott and gave him a giant deal. When you have something good and you think you know the potential's there and you think you can do something, you want to retain your asset. And, you know, sometimes you buy a stock when it looks like it's rising and then all of a sudden it starts to drop and drop. And drop, and I think trading for Trey Lance was a little bit of insurance potentially. Sure, but I mean, I just know Jerry Jones can't be a happy camper with where he's at. Well, in the app, Dak's best asset is his agent, who got him that contract. Absolutely, that's his best asset. But but one interception going into the San Francisco 49ers game, and then turning around and having a miserable game. Now, if you have that loss against the Cardinals, you can have a bad day at the office and bounce back. But bad days at the office and getting not even really showing up at the office, getting paid that kind of money, that's why people don't want to believe in Dak. And and I'm not a Dak hater. I'm not a Dak believer because I'm not really a huge Cowboys fan. Right. He's so just – he's not that – He's so not good and so not bad. You, it's hard to have like a really strong feeling about him. Like he just is middle of the road. He is, 
he is maybe the definition of an average NFL quarterback. Well, he's he sure not, not making average NFL quarterback that's money. Right. I mean, I mean, look, if you I mean, if you're down 14, Dak is not going to create the comeback for you. It's just not going to happen. Um, unfortunately, and it's weird to say because, you know, then you look at like a Brock Purdy, he might be able to get it done. Now, how much is of that is the coaching staff or not, but I don't know, man. Um, I don't know. I don't know where the Cowboys go from here. I mean, their their record's not bad. Well, look at here. Let me ask you this. They lost to the best team in the NFL, but. We'll we'll ask you this, Nick. I know, and we'll give you that that buy on, on the Jets getting to the Super Bowl because what happened to Aaron Rodgers was was tragic, right? And when you look at saying, all right, I'm going to go with the Cowboys, is is there a third team? Is there 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 a 3C that you would like to go to? Got to be the 49ers. So so like you'll I'm, ride I'm, I'm you'll si- ride with the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, look, they're they got to be one of the best teams. I mean, they are the best team in the NFL right in. now. We're five weeks in, but they got to be one of the best teams in NFL history through five weeks. I know we can't say that definitively until we get you know to week seventeen or eighteen, however many there is now. But that type of defense added on to that type of offense who's going to get I mean look what that offense did to the Cowboys defense who's one of the best defenses in the league Cleveland Browns is what the 49ers have this week what is it a W because Watson questionable that's a tough matchup the Browns probably have a top five defense in the NFL they're coming off a bye week I think Watson's going to be healthy no Nick Chubb I mean I think San Francisco San Francisco will win. Maybe it'll be a close game, but I wouldn't be surprised if San Francisco walked out of there, you know, winning by two touchdowns. What about Minnesota? Is that a W for San Francisco? Yeah. Cincinnati. Minnesota, they're about to start trading a bunch of people, I think. Cincinnati at San Francisco? San Francisco might win that game by 50. All right. So so you feel that they're going to struggle that much. And as we continue to, to look at the 49ers' schedule, the 49ers are, are – I, I personally don't think the 72 Dolphins have anything to worry about. I don't think you have to go into to week number 15 or 16 with the San Francisco 49ers threatening the Miami Dolphins' undefeated regular season. Who who gets the, the W over San Francisco? Uh, if, if you're looking at, like you said, I, I think that they're better than, than Cleveland – at this point in time, and, and I don't think that that is necessarily a trap game. You know, San Francisco at Minnesota, they just don't have a lot of help when you do look at the 49ers. But moving forward, Seattle at San Francisco, I think that you're, you're looking at down the road back in December. That, that could, or late November, that could be possibly a definite L for those guys. And I mean, look, San Francisco could have been in the Super Bowl if their quarterbacks were all healthy. And that was what was critical and key. And McCaffrey's healthy. McCaffrey is looking amazing. I saw Brock Purdy's MVP odds are 7-1. to one, Yeah. And McCaffrey's are 20-1. to one. I think McCaffrey's the better football player. I think most people would agree with that. I get that Purdy's the quarterback, but, man, like, there's just so much talent on both sides of the ball. I don't know how you stop them. If I could go back in time, I'd throw some money on the Niners because they are—they look just so much better than every other team in the NFL right now. 
The final drive on WNSP. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Slick Willie Shaw from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters. You're listening to Sports Radio WNSP 105.5 FM. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. And love to keep you updated on Major League Baseball that's going on, especially when it concerns the Atlanta Braves. And if you're an Atlanta Braves fan right now, go ahead and close your ears because you're not going to want to hear this score. Six to one, the Atlanta Braves are trailing to the Phillies bottom of the fourth, two outs. And we'll see if it gets any better for Atlanta as so far Bryce Harper has been that sore for Atlanta and them being able to get over the top today and earlier in the show we were playing some Mark Stoops audio Mark Stoops being the head coach of the Kentucky Wildcats and of course Kentucky absolutely got dismantled and destroyed by the Georgia Bulldogs this past Saturday. And I want you to hear once again Mark Stoops' comments on NIL and the donations that are needed for any team, especially Big Blue Nation and the Kentucky Wildcats, if you want to be the number one team in the country. For us, it's, it's you know, we, we got to watch it. We got to see it. You got to own it. You know, you got to solve it. And then we got to go do it, you know. The other side of that, the, the you know, the, the other side, if you want to do that, it's blame, complain, deny, or make excuses. And we're not going to do that. You know, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, fans have that right. I, I give it to them. It, you know, I just encourage them to donate more because that's what those teams are doing. And, and uh, in, uh, yeah, I could promise you in Georgia, they, they bought some pretty good players. You're allowed to these days. And uh, we could use some help. That's what they look like. You know what I mean? When you have 85 of them. So, so uh, I encourage uh, anybody that's disgruntled to, to pony up some more. So if that's what they look like for the number one team in the country, if you're a fan base or you're an alumnus and you have those deep pockets, wouldn't you make sure that you're you're paying by any means necessary because it is legal to get the top tier athletes onto your roster, eighty five man scholarship roster? I don't know. There's just something. There's just something icky kind of about a guy who makes multiple millions of dollars begging for money so that his program can be better. You know why don't you? You know we talked about this earlier. Why don't you just donate half your salary if it? It's that, that important to you. you. Man, you can get a good team out there, you know. Um, I don't know. Like, if I was an alumni of a college and I was making multiple millions of dollars, I don't know. I don't know if I would just donate it to the school and, like, I hope you can get a good corner. You know, like, it just seems – it all just seems odd to me. Well, it, it's a very difficult situation to be in if you're those are the have and have nots because you definitely have the have nots that are trying to compete with those that do have. But Kentucky 5-0 and coming into the game with Georgia and absolutely got destroyed by the Bulldogs. And yeah, that, that is what the number one team in the country looks like. And that's what the number one team in the country has looked like for the last two years. And it's nothing new with Kirby Smart and the success that he's had because he's aiming history. And if it means getting extra money, recruiting is there. I, I, you can kind of look at Hugh Freeze and him skyrocketing up the 
recruiting boards and the recruiting charts and the recruiting rankings. And Auburn is saying, look, we're going to do it based on the relationships that we have first and foremost. Yeah. And then we'll take a look at the NILs because I, ha I have not seen too many college coaches and their assistant coaches call all the parents of the players during that's the right. bye week. So that's all about relationships. That's not about money. Yeah. That's just taking the time to get to know your parents, the players, and them investing back into you which equates in wins, and the more wins equates in more money given. Well, and you look at, like, South Carolina. They were up 14-3 to over Georgia. Georgia comes back and wins. Was the South Carolina coach saying, oh, man, they, they can just pay their players more. We need more money. You know, Auburn, they're right there in that game. You know, you're talking about Hugh Freeze. After the game, did Hugh Freeze say, man, we just need some of that Georgia money? No, I mean, I don't know. And also, like, talking about this Kentucky team, how does that make your roster feel? You know, your players, like, here here you guys are, 5-0. and oh. You just destroyed Florida, a team who, let's be honest, has more NIL money than you, but it wasn't an issue then. And then you get stomped on by Georgia, and now all of a sudden you're saying, uh, we need actually a better roster. You know, we need to have more money to get better players out here. I mean, how does that quarterback and how does that linebacker who's played good and 5-0 and oh up to that point feel when you hear your coach saying things like that? I don't know. Not look. I liked the the chugging the beers comment. Yeah, right? that was but pretty good a couple of weeks ago. This one, not a fan. And look, it's how quickly you you fall from the media's grace in that one because you mentioned it, telling his fans at 11 a.m. kickoff to the Kentuckians to pound those beers, and he trusts the Kentuckians to to pound those beers before kickoff with Florida at 11 a.m. And then the next week, you do kind of lick your wounds, so to speak, and now you're trying to find a way to, to generate more NIL money. And if, if Alabama generates any more NIL money, it'll be just because they continue to win, not threatening to lose a homecoming game. The last homecoming loss for Alabama dating way back to 2001, which was Nick Saban defeating the Crimson Tide as the LSU head football coach. So it's been quite a long time since Alabama has lost a homecoming game. And it was funny yesterday in our talking football with Scott Hunter and him mentioned, I, I said, Scott, what's your most memorable homecoming moment? And he was like, I, I, all I can remember is basically waving to my future in-laws and my girlfriend at the time. And, and that's the only homecoming memory he can remember because, again, you know, the Crimson Tide playing a lot of their games in Birmingham at the time. But still, homecoming is something that's very special for Alabama fans. And George Teague, when we had him on today, he said he'll be in, in T-Town for homecoming. And it's a great way to, to celebrate all those reunions. And Saban undefeated in early games in his Alabama tenure as the head coach. Why do you, why do you think that is? Do, why do you think Alabama has a better record or a better opportunity at 11 a.m. than any other time of the day? Maybe it's because you're not able to hear the TV people and social media start talking about, oh, could Alabama get upset? 
Maybe it's because you save your big marquee matchups, and when there is a team that the media thinks could beat Alabama, they're obviously scheduling that game at 7 p.m. Um, I mean, that would be my best guess um, because I, I think I see this Arkansas game going probably very similar to the way that the Mississippi State game went. I agree. I think it'll be dominance by the Crimson Tide, and I'm not going to hold my feelings on that. And, and as far as football is concerned, more football tonight as we were treated to three football games last night. Tonight we'll get a chance to enjoy UTEP and FIU. Sam Houston, New Mexico State going to battle on CBS Sports along with the little WNBA Finals. The Aces and the Liberty battling one another. If you love basketball, you'll get a chance to check that out. If you love Major League Baseball, other than being an Atlanta Braves fan tonight, you'll get a chance to check out two games, Houston and Minnesota, the Dodgers and Arizona, all doing battle tonight on the Major League Baseball diamond. So plenty of sports going on Friday. Colorado and primetime will play Stanford, so We'll continue to break that down, and we'll put the finishing touches on the final drive here on this Wet Wednesday edition. Hi, this is Tim Brando of Fox Sports telling everyone along the Gulf Coast in Mobile, listen to the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee on 105.5 WNSP. 